0: What's up, world? You are now listening to another episode of the Power Post Game Report, where we're here to talk all things power. We are here to discuss Book 2, Season 3, Episode 7 of Ghost, entitled Deal or No Deal. I, of course, am one half of your host, Triple D, and with me as always is... This is Carlos D. How you doing, sir? I'm well, well. Another week, another episode. We in the home stretch. I think after this one, there are only three three more episodes before the end of Season 3. And I feel like we're speeding through the end. I we haven't had a break yet. Um, I don't know if they're going to take one at all, but it's they're going full steam ahead. Yeah, you know, like stars like to get an extra two weeks out of us usually at the end. But so far so good. I'm still on my promotional deal, only two ninety nine a month. So uh-huh. I don't want that. I want the show to end before that expires. I'm not trying to play eight ninety nine. I'm cheap like that. <laughs> Unless one of, one of you loyal listeners want to give me their password for free, I will take that. You heard the man. You know where to hit him up. He, of course, is the PLP Podcast. Uh, Of course, I'm off the clock, O-F-F-T-H-A. Feel free to drop us some love on both of those. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, we're here to talk about Episode 7, Deal or No Deal. And um, this was an episode. Uh, A lot of moves being made. um, Battle lines being drawn, crossed. Loose ends being clipped. Uh, What was your initial... How did you feel about this episode going into it? Did you think we were going to get um, a lot of the, <laughs> the, the shadiness that uh, went down in this episode? Did you expect any of that? No. I mean, uh, from the preview of the week before, I didn't really think it was going to be that good of an episode. Um, but you said it definitely had a lot of twists and turns, a lot of new developments, a lot of, once again, people backstabbing and tricking and manipulating others. Uh, so, it was, a, it, was, it was another one of those episodes. Um, so, overall, I thought it was pretty good, though. Um, I can't complain. Co- I, I shouldn't say I can't complain because I'm always going to find something to complain about. Um, but for the most part, it was a pretty strong episode. Um, was it a home run? No. But if this was like a baseball tournament, it was a solid double, almost a triple, depending on, you know, how fast the, the batter was. Uh, but I enjoyed it. What were your initial thoughts? I didn't think a lot of this was going to go as far as it did, but... Um, I also remember that like, yeah, we're getting close to, to the end of this season and, um, it's time for things to kind of ramp up a notch. And the interesting thing about it was as things were kind of ramping up, some of the things that I expected to be drawn out at least an episode or two, which has been kind of an overarching theme this season is that like a lot of things you would think that were going to be drawn out an episode or two get wrapped up by the end for the most part, um. Which I guess they're they're doing their best to save the the main course of what is essentially gonna be our our favorite criminals versus this this Rico super team. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, this was a this was a wild one. We ready to dive into it? Yeah, man. Let's get it. So we immediately pick up with the fallout from the Russian uh the Russian hit and um, yeah the Russians are not playing games they're killing back people in broad daylight the Jamaica boys get ambushed um, we can SOS the Kane and uh, the Russians are not playing they're, they're getting theirs back in blood uh, all hours all business hours um, right. and this scene essentially takes us into Monet wanting Gordo to leave Drew alone because things are really hot right now uh, to which Gordo's like nah um, we're in this together And I, I do care about your son and the way she, you know, the way he kind of played it it was just like, yeah, you know, if I go down, we go down. Mm -hmm. And it was at that moment I was like, all right, at some point Gordo's going to die because Monet's been on this, this super villain arc lately where she does not uh, like last week's episode, ain't no, no more second, no two weeks ago or uh, the episode, no more second chances. Uh, How did you feel about those opening remarks? Uh, Yeah, I mean, as far as the the Russian war, I hate when they do this on TV shows where they have these, like, dramatic-ass guns-blazing assault rifle shootouts in broad daylight. It just annoys me. I'm not saying criminal criminal activities can't happen in broad daylight, but it just be a little bit too brazen for me sometimes when they do that. Um, And then as far as Monet, um, you knew Gordo wasn't uh, the, the way Gordo was just talking to her is not the way anybody has really talked to Monet in this series. So you knew she was plotting some type of plan to get him out of there. Um, how long it would be before she did it, we don't know. Uh, but you knew that once Gordo started really bossing back up at Monet, which she just not take kindly to, given to her nature, um, you know, we, 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 we may have to start thinking about how long Gordo's gonna be around. Uh, but I'll give him his credit. He stood up for himself. He he, he kind of did something that Monet has been doing to other people for a long time, and kind of pushed her into a corner, and and pretty much was bullying her. Like basically, you can't tell me not to do anything because if you try to do anything, we both fucked. And she, for the time being, he had the upper hand on her. Did not last long. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from there, we get a really quick scene where uh, Tariq is trying to get through to Lauren and pretty much establish her as his inside into this this case that they're building against him, And my favorite part about this scene was that Lauren now knowing what sax has told her about Tariq um she she holds him accountable um which for the longest time the only one that actually did that was his grandmother. And she's like, "Look, you you really be thinking that nothing's your fault." Mm-hmm. Which Tariq has his moments of, you know, Um, accountability but a lot of times he really does kind of skate through especially when it comes to his his dealings with the relationships in his life he kind of plays things as as if like he's innocent Um, or like you know these things weren't his fault and I'm glad that she really she really kind of like got him to to see that to a degree Mm -hmm. Um, one thing that they kept talking about in and Lauren needs to kind of let go of is this idea that you can go back to your old life um She's this is a crazy situation. It's a bad situation. She's a young I don't think she's a teenager, but she's still a young, a young girl. Um, and this idea that she can just go back to normal is something that she's clinging to. And the reality of it is it's just like that's just not possible, unfortunately. Um, and Tariq, he's low key trying to tell her that that's not possible. But also it's in it's for his own game. Um, because he knows that's not a possibility, he knows that's not realistic. So, um, why don't you give me your thoughts on that particular uh conversation between those two? And, um, why don't you take us into to Braden's <laughs> his, uh, introduction into the episode, All right? I mean, so I didn't have a lot on that one. I mean, you already kind of summed up what my note was is that the fact that she called him out, Tariq is. Constantly involving himself in things That make other people's lives more difficult Than even his own But he always l- finds a way to make it not his fault So the fact that she called him out on it is like, No you're always saying it's not your fault it, A lot of the stuff is your fault If you didn't do half the stuff you did We know his sister probably wouldn't be dead His father wouldn't be dead uh, He would have never been in a position to have to kill his father Because he wouldn't have been doing the stuff that he was doing wrong anyway But it's always somebody else's fault It's always his father's fault His mom's fault Somebody's fault, why he had to take some negative action that affects everybody, but never his own. So I'm glad she did call him out, like you said. Um And then as far as Braden, uh, apparently him and Kiki are going strong. Uh We, <laughs> we figuratively and literally, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, we 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 open the scene with you know Braden handling this business, giving Kiki the business, Um and then it's like they go straight into like this deep, not deep conversation, <laughs> but like this conversation. And I was like, maybe, <laughs> Um, you know. I'm not gonna say i've never had like any type of talk after sex but there ain't been no damn deep conversation about business and drug dealing yeah. and all this type of stuff normally I mean, i'm ready to take me a nap relax and chill out maybe do some cuddling or you know, right. something but i damn sure ain't about to talk about fruit snacks or something. yeah my drug business and uh um, my my relationship with my my, bro. my best friend yeah he's my brother uh so basically that's what happened um kiki finally calls Braden out. She lets him know that she knows fully about the drug game um, that he's involved in. And why wouldn't he? I mean, why wouldn't she easily discover it when Braden openly admitted in court that he was a drug dealer? And then he thinks he can go right by there just dealing drugs without any kind of consequences or anybody figuring it out or understanding what was going on. Um, she also does her best to drive a, drive a further wedge between him and Tariq by basically saying why do you need Tariq? I mean, while Tariq may be uh involved in the drug aspect of it, you're the one that did the real work, which was getting the um the cryptocurrency to use as their the money, uh, uh and to help launder the money. Um so Kiki was playing it twofold. She uh and I can't remember did she ask for a cut? I can't remember if she did she ask for any action on it, or was she just kinda let him know that she knew about his business? That part I can't um, remember. I think so. I want to say she was like kind of like to keep her mouth shut to a degree. Um, but yeah, um, it was, it was real soap opera-ish. Mm-hmm. Like they literally just finish, and then he just rolls over and he just grimaces like, oh, my, Like that PNC was super quick. Yes, he immediately just thought about his, uh <laughs> his problems outside of this. It was wow. wild. It was wild. Um, it was... It, but yeah, it was it was kind of strange that like she was just okay with it. That was my note. I was just like, why is she just so cool with this? We'd find out why later. Right? She's a um, full blown criminal. Yeah, but well, we find yeah we find out why later. But, I mean, we had known she'd been doing criminal stuff before that. She was helping them yeah. launder money. Uh, or, you know, she knew the money was not. That's what she asked him for money. She asked him for a cut of the Tihada money in the episode before. I think, unless i misremember. misremembering. But um, anyway. But yeah, like, that, and you're right, she, you know, and when when I saw her, like, trying to pretty much gas him up, which, she wasn't lying. Like, she wasn't lying. She was telling the truth. Like, Brayden is a lot smarter than people give him credit for. Um, but, like, all I kept thinking was, this was Holly driving the wedge between Tommy and Ghost. Um. Mm-hmm. So from there, we get Monet's introduction to what they're really dealing with like she finally gets to see firsthand like this is a this is a lot of weight like that, that you guys are in um but unfortunately in true monet fashion she just immediately goes into bossy mode where it's just like okay someone give me an idea so you can execute it like you know throw throw me something and kane was like look we've we've already got it handled you know what i'm saying it's it's in the works we're going to pull things off the street till things get cool and immediately goes right back to disrespecting Kane mm-hmm. um it's just it it was wild because she's she's never satisfied but she almost never has an alternative um she wants to speak to Tariq which i thought the, that was a really uh, funny. You know, I'm glad they slipped some comedy in there. He's like, "All oh, you niggas, get out!" And Brayden just kind of sits there, which he did the right thing. Mm-hmm. And, and Kane was like, "Come on, you nigga, too." Right, right. That <laughs> and, was you know, pretty funny. That you know, that made Braden's day. He got some, and he got he got you know. He's he was so excited out. about it. I kind of felt weird about that. I don't like him uh, being excited about that. But you know, you know, that's in line with his character, I guess. Right. I know he'd never say it, but he, you know, I'm sure he found. I I found the humor in it because he found the humor in it. So, uh, oh gosh. why don't you give me your thoughts on that and pretty much speak on her uh, coaching up Tariq? I mean, yeah, like I said, it was—it's was more. I mean, Monet is Monet at this point. She's got to be the ball, She's got to be in control. She's got to dictate. Um, and I, the, the the but you can see the difference between the way she motivates her son and the way she motivated Tariq because with her son, she basically just calls him dumb or do or does things to make him feel like less than, so he can prove he's. He's, like, he's better than he is. Uh, but it was the complete opposite with her pep talk with Tariq. When Tariq, she was like, look, you know, you are the brains. You are the smart. You are my thinker. Like she was more giving him praise than she would ever give Kane, even when Kane does do things right. Um, so it was a definitely a different dynamic. And I think it worked. I think Tariq, once again, almost immediately came up with a smart idea uh and that's the the one thing that does bother me and i know it's tv so they got to keep a pace moving but i hate when they just kind of solve stuff so quickly they think what about for 30 seconds and they have figured out this whole grand elaborate plan um but it worked out that's what ended up happening um and, and you know so i just like the contrast of how Monet treats the different people that she interacts with she knows how to push their buttons uh so one thing about Monet, she's very she's not dumb her manipulation game is very tight and she. She knows how to make things move the way she wants them to move, for the most part. Um, so far, we haven't seen anybody really get one up on her uh, through the course of this series, the three episodes, three seasons we've been through so far. Um, then the, and then you said, do you want me to go to the next one? Oh, I forgot. Oh. Go for it. Um. So then we're, I think we're back to Sax and Davis are meeting up to have a little talk with... Um, a pre-talk Yo. about his brother, about his parole healer. Yeah, and I was hoping right. Red Man was going to walk through the door. Me too, man. That's but, my that's my only real note. I was like, yeah. damn, still no Red Man, still no Red Man. I think Red Man's coming note. back. I think he's yeah. gone. Um, but basically, it was just a little thing where they was just trying to get him ready for parole, um, and he's clearly not ready. Um, he doesn't yeah. know how to answer the questions. Um, I don't know if he seems if he's just like flip it in this manner in general, or he just isn't taking it seriously because he doesn't really have, really think he has a realis- realistic expectation of getting out or whatever, it may be. Um, but he's definitely not prepared. Um, but they still have a plan to try to get him out later. Right. I, you can tell that he does. It's a long shot because the whole, the whole process for him getting out has been a long shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we get, re- almost called a meth. Uh, we get Davis, you know, just trying to sow some hope into him and like just kind of pep him up and motivate him. Uh, but he's also seeing that like, nah, he's realistically he's not ready. And all I kept thinking was like, I don't know if Theo gonna make it because they're doing a great job with the makeup and this guy's actually doing a pretty good job acting, which makes me even sadder because I would I would have loved to seen how Redman would have played this. Mm. But like, he's he's noticeably more physically defeated. Um, then his first introduction is Theo Rollins. Um, and, and then, you know, obviously we'll get to it later, but, uh, this guy, uh, you know, he's obviously not red man, but he's actually, I feel like he's doing a very, a very good job of just playing this character who's been locked up for so long that like, he's willing to try, but at the same time, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't have much hope. Um, so from there. We go to the uh the Castilla brothers. they got issues, and they're they're rightfully they're rightfully frustrated to have issues about this whole situation because essentially they they're not truly involved if anything, they lost their connect and they're being dragged into a war that they didn't well they directly don't have anything to do with uh indirectly. Mm-hmm. Gordo kind of brought them into it um but things are getting getting tense and, um, they want more, they want more money because they're taking such a big risk. Um, how did you feel about that and how they kind of, they kind of, you know, Oh man, like I, I was, it caught me off guard, but like, I was, I liked the fact that they stepped to Gordo and was like, look, you need to stop thinking with your dick. Um, and think with like actual leadership. And it like I like the fact that they was like, Look, dude, you're you're letting your relationship guide you. But they didn't make it a gay thing. They just made it like, look, you're you're the same way Two Bit pressed Tommy about about Keisha. Right. It's like you letting your significant other have too much run in this in our stake in the business. How did you feel about that scene? Um yeah, I think you're right in the sense that uh, you know, we always wanted to be like fair. And it's not about him being gay or, or anything like that. It's just the fact that he is letting that relationship, romantic relationship cloud his mind. Um, I had honestly forgot who these guys were. I, I feel like we haven't <laughs> seen the brothers in team. so long. Yeah, yeah they and they I feel like, who are they? Um, but I guess, the, you know, these are the brothers. And, um, I mean, they, they are smart. Like, they said, they, as far as the brothers themselves, didn't, didn't force themselves into it. If Gordo probably wouldn't even have been in it if he wasn't romantically involved with Drew anyway. Um, so I understand their point of view, and I understand why they would want a bigger cut of the money, because at this point, they are basically the entire muscle and distribution for the Zahadas. The Zahadas do supply the product, but they don't really have the bodies or the street people to kind of get it going. And the only way you can do it is with these um, Castillo boys, Costello, whatever their names Castillo. are. Castillo. Castillo. Um, so I think it was right. And then, um, so I think that was fine. And then I was surprised um, that they told Drew to get out of here. So they could have the, I'm not surprised, but I, I like how they said, look, this is a family matter. We need to get Drew out of here so we can have our vote and then kind of figure out what was going to happen next. And I thought it was going to ultimately lead to them being like, no, nah, we're not going to mess with y'all no more. But apparently, as we know later, Cordo was able to convince his brothers to stay win the game and stay back in the Tejadas. We might – I'm not – we're not going to go fully into that scene, but since you brought it up, when he when he said that, like – he kind of made them see his point of view. Did you get the feeling that he killed them? Nah, not his own brothers. I think he probably just talked to them or, or had something connection, but to take out your entire, you know, are you going to take out all your brothers in a situation like that? I don't think that, that, I, I didn't, that didn't cross my mind. Okay. Now, granted, so we didn't see them ever them. again. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe not kill them, but like, it felt super ominous to yeah. me. Um. So from there we get, Sax talking with Jenny, and to carry over from the uh, the preparation with um, with Theo Rollins, uh, we we get Sax kind of sliding back into his AUSA days, where he he kind of he kind of retaps into skeezy Sax and is like, let's tamper with the jury, or you know the jury committee or something like that. And I was like, huh, that's I was like, damn, Sax, I just gave the speech about you trying to do things the right way. And. I think again, I genuinely think, although he's playing both sides, I do think he genuinely wants to get Theo out of there because he because feel- he knows he's wrongfully imprisoned. Um, I just wasn't expecting him to to kind of take that route. Um, but my main thing with this this scene was that he put his foot down with Sullivan. And was just like you you've been on bullshit, you played me when I was being genuine with you. Um, which, you know, Sax knows that he's been he's been Sax in the past, but he was being upfront with her and he was being authentic with her, and she took that opportunity to play him. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he really put his foot down and was like, Nah, like I don't need your apology, but you you play me again and it's a rap for you. Um how did you feel about that? And we can, I mean, it's a real quick scene, but we can talk about um, Tariq trying to enlist Tate for the uh, the crackdown on the Russians. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Sax is really hurt by Jenny. And I'm surprised, man. I guess he really has shown his true emotions and feelings when it comes to that, um, which is crazy because he has manipulated plenty of people and crossed behind people's backs and doing all that type of stuff as well. But I guess he really felt he had a connection with her. Um, but he finally kind of stood up for himself, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. um and let her know like look you mess me over big time i'm still in this because i have no choice really and i am committed to kind of taking these people down cuz i think they are bad and i think at the end of the day for all that sax has done i think he really has always thought of himself as like this white knight you know or cowboy with the the what the white hat the good guy and i think he was temporarily lost in getting caught up with possibly working for, with sax for a while but i think to his true self i think he thinks he's good um, even though we know he's done a lot of messed up things to a lot of people. Um, so and I think this is kind of him just kind of stepping into that. Um, and uh, good for him, you know, don't let people abuse you, stand up, you know, dog you out, whatever it may be. And then, no matter what the circumstances are. Um, so he finally stood up for Jenny. Um, and I think, you know, put them, put them back on equal playing field. Cause I think she was using his emotions and his feelings to kind of manipulate him a little bit more than he was willing to do. Um, but I look like that now kind of like on, on, on even playing field when it comes to that i'm a i'm a, I'm gonna let you continue i'm sorry Not great. To I think the reason he he went so hard on her and it hurt so bad was because I think he didn't think i'm i'm pretty sure he he didn't feel like she was capable of doing what she did to him mm-hmm. like he knows what he's capable of, but like I don't think he saw her being capable of doing that because him knowing who he was and who he's been, i think the thing that he liked about her was that up until recently. He liked the fact that, like, she's actually, you know, she pretty much presented herself as an actual white hat and was like, yeah, she's been as long as I've known her, she's been doing things the right way. So for her to find, for him to find out that she was doing him dirty like that hurt extra hard because it's like he you know, we've seen sacks burn in the past. He's like, oh, shit, we should have seen that coming. But like betrayals always happen, always hurt more because they come from someone that you you trust, like, and like, he, he genuinely trusted her because up until recently, she was a genuine white hat. So, like, I think that's why he had to go so hard on her. It's like, of all the people, like, he expects Davis to, to screw him at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, he expects Blanca to screw him at some point. He expects Tariq and them to do something shady to him at some point. He didn't think that she was capable of doing that and especially to him. And I think that's what made it, like, hurt the most. Um, but sorry, continue. No, no, no. I think you uh, pretty much summed it up pretty well. So, um, so we'll, I mean, we'll see how it ultimately turns out between these two. Um, and then quickly, we, like I said, we, we get a quick scene where Tariq and Tate are basically doing their shady business dealings as usual. Where Tariq basically tells Tate that the Russians are my enemies. They mess up with my business. And here's a tip to help you get up in the polls. And basically... Tate still has a lot of pull with the NYPD and Tariq's plan is to have Tate use the police to bust the Russians and somehow take credit for that um, even though he's not in law enforcement anymore. Um, so that was just a real quick scene where they just kind of discuss. I they're both like being the slimy fact. bums. Yeah, I just like the fact that Tate was like are you being followed? Like get away from me. Right. <laughs> I can't be seen with you if this is what you being Tate. followed. Which the crazy thing is I'm surprised, I, I'm, I don't know maybe it'll come up at some point. Um, or maybe they know that he's he should be probably off limits. I'm surprised Noma and Obi haven't you know pulled up the fact that he's been in contact with Tate or to try and use it against him. Mm-hmm. Um So we get uh that scene and then we get this was this was an interesting one. Uh we get Kai, aka Mike from the Wood, mm-hmm. inside the Tajada house, cozy. Right. Uh, with Monet. And, it, you know, we, we know she's working an angle. We don't know what yeah. the angle is. But like, how old? I can't figure how old he is. Monet, <laughs> <Like, laughs> right. I mean, Monet is clearly. I don't know how Monet is uh, either. I mean, Monet is not, I think, as old as Murray J. Blige's in real life because I think she said she had Zeke when she was like uh, 16, 17. And Zeke was what, 22, 23. So she might be only like 40 in the, in the course of the show. And if he's in his early 30s. Maybe it's not that big a deal, but he's doing some heavy flirting to a grown woman compared to how he comes off. And I don't know how the actor is in real life, but he just, maybe just cause he was in the wood and I know from like being a teen actor or kid actor. He just seems like a child compared to a grown woman. And even when they flirt or he tries to flirt with her, it seems like, like if I was, you know, of course I would never do this, but let's say I met your mom and, and I was like, you know how sometimes people flirt with like, I mean, I, I don't know if people do it as like at our age, but like sometimes when you're a kid, you may joke about, you being attracted to somebody's mom or you may like even flirt. With, hey, miss the mom and all that type of stuff. I don't know if you ever did stuff like that, but I, you know, people I used to know used to do little oh, yeah, stuff like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. But so that's what it always comes out when he's trying to flirt with her. It's like, he's just kind of bothering the old woman and she's like, Oh yes, yeah, sweetie. You're so cute. That kind of thing. Um, so anytime I see them interacting like that, well, he's trying to make moves on her. It always comes off like that. Um, but in the sense of them doing that, they're in the house, they're chilling and drinking and, laughing it up a little bit and being a little flirty and of course Drew comes in and he Drew has a stick up his butt for um Kai been mad Kai. disrespectful since they introduced his character that's true that's true but dog, your mom a grown woman I mean granted his father just died yeah so that's that's extra that's extra salt in the womb but go ahead you want to talk a little bit about what happened in the scene uh I mean pretty much she's trying to enlist him to help out with this uh this Russian issue and he's like, you know, I got you, but I'm kind of short on manpower. Mm-hmm. And again, like, like I don't, I don't fully fault Drew because niggas been throwing shots at Drew damn near all season. Um, damn near everybody he has been like taking shots at Drew and he's got a chip on the shoulder. He's still grieving his father being dead while everybody else has kind of just moved on. Um, but yeah, like I don't blame Drew. Like Kai was talking reckless at the, uh, at the, 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 the memorial. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, yeah. Like, they hadn't even put him in the ground yet. He was in their house talking wild. So, like, I don't blame Drew. And the fact that, like, when they tried to go to him as a connect, he kind of played them off, too. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, yeah. Um, I don't blame Drew for having, you know, salt against Kai. And then for him to, you know, try and play him. But, like, Monet's, one of her biggest problems is, like, she, she'll do stuff and, like, not even give them a hint to, like play along. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, if I'm drew and I come home and this dude's in here, he, he ha ha. And with my mom's and then he talks shit to me. And then you call me down. You try to chill me out. Like it don't, it'd it be wild. And then she, but, and the Monet master manipulator, first of all, this man leaves on a cheek kiss, which I was like, <laughs> that's, that's some BS. Um, but she comes in and like, first she kind of plays his relationship and then she gasses it. Mm hmm. It's like this is like she's like the first person to really talk with him about his relationship in a positive way. Granted we know why, but like she knows what buttons to push to get them uh to get them going. Um you ready to go to the next scene? Yeah, let's get it. So <coughs> meanwhile on campus, there's a talent show. <laughs> oh, well, I just <laughs> looked at my notes, I forgot about this. <laughs> um and we get we get chandria doing her thing, mm-hmm. breaking the fourth wall, getting to be her authentic self. And I'm like, okay, this is cool and whatnot. I mean, party in the candy shop, I guess. Right. And this <laughs> ball TA come up out of nowhere. Oh my gosh. All I kept thinking was who planned this? Who's the producer? Like who's the showrunner? Why in the world? Cause you know, you have to preview people's stuff before you do it. Why? In what world, when you were getting these acts together, what made you say we gonna go through club anthem to this heartfelt poetry? They probably want to embarrass him just like he was embarrassed. I and mean, then I, I didn't even want to stay his like mindset. Like he's still a TA, uh, yeah. but she's not the teacher. But he has an uh, he's in a position of authority over her. Why would he be declaring his love publicly like that for her? Um, I mean, I get it in the sense that like he wanted her to get his girl back. Um, even though I don't, how I don't know why that relationship is so deep. I feel like they've been dating for about two weeks. Um. But at the same time, I feel like he's messing up his own possible future by like openly professing love to a child, basically. Well, not a child, because they run the same age. I mean, he's not like 45, but somebody who's he's in a position of power because because is a TA in the class that she's actively engaged in. Um, but yeah, you know, of course he tried his corny talk to her, get back with her. Uh, it did not work. Uh, I think she was more embarrassed than anything. And then he had the audacity, and guys don't do this. If women don't like you, They just don't like you. They don't want to get back with you. They just don't want to get back with you. You don't got to turn it into an attack on her, or all of a sudden, literally two seconds before when you was trying to get her back, you was all about her, and just because she rejected you, um, now all of a sudden she's trash, and you got to talk her, you know, try to talk down to her, which is exactly what this dude did, which makes him extra corny than we already thought he was corny. I feel like this could have been this whole thing could have been played bit a bit better. This was a uh, Twitter a Twitter thread's wet dream. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, yeah, we, you know, we do know stories of guys like, you know, taking rejection badly, but this was almost like too, too cookie cutter, like this, you know, the, the, the response and the, the immediate visceral, you know, the venom. Yeah. It's like, I'm not saying that this doesn't happen on both sides, but it's just like, I feel like this could have been done a little bit better, but right. he goes scorched earth. Is like the wildest part was like him going like, "Yeah, I know you're selling drugs. I know that was you." All um, right, uh-huh. so which like everybody it, knows, everybody's doing selling drugs. It, right, I, that's the part that kind of rubbed me the wrong way just a little bit. Was that like they don't they rarely like put in a little bit of groundwork. One quick scene of him just being suspicious, I'd believe that, but it's just it just immediately like it, it's immediate. Oh, you don't like me? Okay, I know you were selling drugs. I know you shady. Blah blah blah. You fired. I was just like, Ugh. Right. and then I put my you notes. Know. He not makes it into the episode, but I you uh, know, it, it went different than I thought it was going to be. But right, I was like, nah, this man about to be dead. Especially like, I don't know if it was a couple of scenes later she ends up talking to Monet on the phone and she mentions him. I was yeah. like, oh, Monet about to lay his ass out. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Diana, you know, was the responsible adult and trying to take care of her own business, and she ended up handling it. And we'll, you know, we'll yeah, we'll definitely get to that. Yeah. Uh, so from there, we get a real quick, uh, pretty much argument between exes right another uh, bit of breakup discussion like right. they went back to back with that one um and i didn't mean to cut you off but like no yeah either. go for it It was like just the, just the childishness nature of this conversation that these two it makes sense went, though i mean I, yeah i get it yeah. but it's like i just don't you know and i get it you know they we gotta remember they're young they still they, you know it's it, even though they've been killing people and masterminding all these types of things we gotta remember these 19 20 year old kids Right. So they are super emotional and everything literally is like the end of it all, be all of it when it comes to like their interactions. These are like their first couple of serious adult relationships. So I understand that they had this venom in them, but they just went like another one. Like say, said, scorched earth, like you weak, uh, you ain't shit. Fuck you. Get the fuck out. All this type of stuff. Like out of nowhere. Um, and it was just a really crazy dynamic. And I guess when you're young and you're that emotionally charged and you are dealing with, um, life and death, like literally they're dealing with life and death. In this, in this scenario, especially from Effie's point of view, she thinks she's killed somebody. Tariq knows she didn't really kill her, but the, even though the fact she didn't really kill Lauren, she tried to kill Lauren, and mm-hmm. Lauren meant a lot to him. And for her to just be like so um, blatantly dis- disrespectful to his feelings and the trust that she that they had established, I understand why he's hurt, I understand why she's hurt, um, but it was just a big mess. You got any thoughts on it? Yeah, the, my biggest issue was just like, as you said, um, you know, they're, they're- they're they're still developing emotional intelligence at this age um my my biggest kind of issue with it was just that while yes this was a messy breakup and they you know they both kind of have their reasons to be mad this is literally life and death um like i feel like in the situation that they're in it's like you got you have to coexist because at this point you're you're both just kind of keeping each other out in the cold like Yes, she has a right to be mad at him because he, you know, he literally abandoned her in the middle of nowhere. Um, and he has every right to be mad at her. But at the same time, it's like, you have this crazy British lady that's down to kill y'all. The moment he said, Hey, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm willing to make a move on the move on that same idea that you had that I was like a little skeptical on. You know, yes, you, you can have your animosity, but like, yes, you're both still under fire. So it's like you need to, you know, you can make your 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 comments and whatnot, but like nah, you kind of need to help him like figure this shit out, you know what I'm saying? And and make the move so you can at least get each other, get from under her thumb so then y'all can part ways. Um so yeah, that was pretty much it. Uh there <laughs> Brayden gets his Velma from Scooby Doo on and there's a secret corridor and I thought it was gonna be like an illegal fight pit or a prostitution ring inside the western estate, but like he finds some books um down in this unguarded secret lair mm-hmm. uh and while just that's to happen- be open it just so happened to be open the biggest scandal up. in the company's history they just rarely keep it protected nobody went out to take the trash out right um but while that's happening we get. Effie, who goes to the spot and just so happens to look up in the exact direction of the camera, mm-hmm. which I was like, I was a little on the nose." Like, I uh, it was strange to me, but TV Effie's reasons. been made. Go ahead. I was saying, I was saying TV reasons. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we got you got to chalk it up to TV reasons. It's a TV show, so yes. So while this is happening, uh, the 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 Russians get. Get raided, they get everything taken. And when I tell you TV reasons, oh my God, the Rico task force just puts everything together in two seconds. Like, after one tape press conference, they solve everything. They figure out everything like i mean like literally every like they, they aren't wrong about anything they know every aspect of the operation who's involved they know uh every they know all the pieces they even know now tate's on the board now um so yeah that, it's so annoying that they do that so quickly it's like they went they from struggle being in struggle the dark at all. And yeah. two seconds after one like i said one press conference two seconds later they know literally every aspect of the criminal enterprise the which only is complicated. thing yeah oh my gosh yeah the only thing they don't have at the moment is the fact that there's two different kinds of drugs involved. There's the Russians drugs, but they don't match the, um, the Stansfield drugs. Mm-hmm. What was it? The Stansfield drugs. Yeah. there was, they, uh, Russian Yeah. Was, yeah I, forget. I don't remember exactly what it was, but like, they don't match the Stansfield drugs. So that's, that's the only thing they don't have. So we'll see how long it takes them to figure that out. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, everything else they they nail. So I'm like, well shit, what are y'all gonna do with the next three episodes? Like they didn't they figured everything out. Like all there's left to do is just make the arrest. So I'm like, are we about to get three or two and a half episodes of court proceedings? Because 'Cause I've done that before. I, I have, right, not I not have really mixed feelings. Right. Yeah, I got mixed feelings about that. Um from there we get a real quick scene between Kane and Effie. Um him wanting to look out for her genuinely and her being, you know, independent, like she don't want the charity. She just wants a solution to to help her fix it. Mm-hmm. Which I, I I I respect. Um anything on that before we move on? Nah. I mean I, like I said I respect her as an independent person that doesn't somebody who's who she has been taking care of this for a long time will be just like this, proud and bold. Mm-hmm. Um so I I I you know, it matches her character. I would she I don't see her taking that money and I do think her thinking of seeing it as charity as opposed to him just kind of being a helping friend because I don't think she's had a lot of loving people in her life right uh, so from there I hate to say it but I think the classroom scenes have lost their luster for me yeah I mean how many times can they talk about society not being unfair and we this get it was, we understand yeah. it and on top of that this was just an excuse for them to show throw shade at each other yeah people uh, just talking shit relationships yeah anyway. like literally effie is looking at tariq in the back of the classroom where she's giving talking about society in general she's like staring at this man like you're not even right. looking at the teacher she don't want to give you the credit um but like i said it was just a bunch of undercutting name calling um and then air in dirty laundry kind of in a public setting but you're right the classroom scenes are kind of getting stale and it, i think it's because they made them so you know they made them so petty Uh, we, while that's happening, we get Diana and, uh, Celine throwing shots at each other. Right. Um, but yeah, I was just like the whole time. I was just like, you guys have kind of ruined it. (laughs) Like, uh, I don't know if we can get these back, but who knows? We'll see. So, um, as you spoke on before we get Diana calling her mother and Monet being a decent mom to Diana for the first time in God knows how Mm -hmm. long, probably the first season you want to go on, on that. I mean, like I said, she she's going kind of, to the next scene, the aftermath. <laughs> her,
1: she was trying to like, you know,
0: basically giving her some advice about just life. And Diana is just doing what a lot of people do. She's like struggling. She's like, this is a lot harder than I thought. You though know, I don't know why she thinks she can just go to an Ivy League school and it was going to be like a cakewalk. Um, so she kind of talks about her, her struggles and her frustrations with not being able to adapt as quickly as easy as she thought she was going to be able to do um and this one i thought so she talks about that part of it and monet is you know supportive and sympathetic and then she also talks about her man issues or her guy issues and that's what i thought she was gonna really tell her and then we weren't gonna see salim anymore after the season once monet got involved in it uh but um no diana was more mature she's like i can handle this on my own and she was just really like you said looking for some motherly advice and i will give monet her credit for the first time she did just like support her daughter um without any you know, undercutting her, any kind of saying something negative about her. Um, she was just kind of being supportive. So, um, Monet, gold star this time for your motherly skills because um, you're usually so bad that, you know, I got to give you some credit every once in a while. Um, and he said, What's the next scene? So, there's two quick scenes. Okay, there's yeah. a quick scene where, actually, kind of three. Um, there's a quick scene where Sachs makes the pitch today oh about, to, yeah. about yeah about the parole and that money that's safe for the money he had a right. lot of money in that thing right so there's that i was just like okay uh not i didn't think that was that big mm-hmm. um we get Braden on his you know working late ship his hardy boys trying to figure it uh, out yeah uh, investigating um there was a really quick scene with him and, and in which i kind of wish they would have expanded on just a little bit like he's you know he misses his brother and he he's still regretful Right. Um, but he also, I also appreciated the fact that he's like, I'm gonna give him his space. Yeah. Um, and Sometimes also you like, need gotta, that when you have, when you, when you're in the house with a friend, right? It ain't the end of the world, but y'all need a little break and then y'all right. can kind of figure it out later. Right. And then we get a quick scene like on the tail end of that, where Tariq is leaving and our undercover DEA agent. Taking in the trash. Happens to find exactly what they need. And of it course. just so happens to be dent like digging in the trash out front no one's i mean it's new york and it's homeless so people probably just like look past those treat them like they don't exist he just so happens to find a cup with a false bottom and some some residue in it oh, of course how TV convenient reasons. and it just at tv reasons um and that that pretty much tails ends with sacks uh, being smart, yeah. right? But like he's not. He said he was going to make the the approach, but also um, he he's still smart. He used a, a secondary person to do it. Um, that so wasn't the guy. This, I I, I, I don't thought know. it was just the guy. Hmm. Because they never I showed th- that guy talking to another guy, or they never actually showed us a, the parole board. So I thought I that was just like, the guy. I feel like he was the guy kind of making the. I don't know. Making the drop. They didn't make it clear one way or another. But um, I thought Sacks told him something like "Yo," and he told him he oh, was no. cool with it. It but is it, no, he's he's a he's a mediator oh, okay. because I, I have it playing. He was like he he knew that guy. He was like, you know, I can be pretty persuasive. Thank you, Mister Sacks. So like, yeah, he and he Sacks tells him like this isn't going to be easy. He's like, you know, I can I'll make it work. But I thought but he was talking like, about the other parole board members, not no, necessarily convincing the bribing guy because the bribing guy was oh, no. the bribe. No, I think the bribing guy, the guy, he's the he's the messenger of the money. He's the mm-hmm. guy that 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 takes the money and he go he makes the pitch. Okay. It's actually just got the money. Cool. So, um, why don't you talk about Diana going full Olivia Pope on quote unquote Selim? Yeah. She called him the Hotep, Salim the Hotep. So basically she finds out that Selim has pulled a, um, from eight mile. Uh, he, he's, uh, reinvented his history. What's that guy's name? You've never seen, you seen him oh, before. Uh, oh, Clarence. Clarence. He's yeah, got he's, a real, his parents got a real good marriage. Yeah. yeah. So Salim is always, even in this episode, talking Papa about Doc. his, yeah, Papa Doc. <laughs> he's, he's up, uh, Salim is even earlier in this episode when he was in the classroom talking about his single mom and how he struggled and all this type of stuff. But we come to find out that Salim did not struggle when he was young. Salim actually had a very nice childhood as he was adopted by a rich white family who, um, apparently supported the orange man. Um, So all his talk about being the, from the struggle and his black roots and all this type of stuff is all a lie. Salim is really wealthy, went to a prep school, and is basically just rewriting his history for his own interests. And Diana basically pulls a Monet. She got the drop on the man. She manipulated him into getting what she wants. And basically he leaves her alone. He cuts back his own hours in the sort of give more deserving students some money. Um, and he also gives her a raise so she won't expose that he is not uh, King Hotep. He's really Clarence uh, from the from Silver Spring. Shout out to yeah. local, the DMV. Mad she, I mean, yeah, I'm mad that they they did a, a DMV boy like that. You know, they could have said like, I don't know, Connecticut or something like that. No disrespect to Connecticut. I'm just right. saying I remember being in college um, <laughs> freshman year. People started, you know, saying where they're from. And a lot of people from Connecticut got outed because they were claiming New York. Oh, really? (laughs) But, like, yeah, I feel like, you know, you know. But I was happy to hear Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, But, yeah, that was, oof, that was harsh. I did not see that coming. Um, But truthfully, I think a part of me thinks that he's going to press his luck um, because, I don't know, I feel like the fact that he Uh knows— that she sold drugs. If that reaches Kane or Drew, he's he's as good as dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but we shall see. Yeah. Um I mean, We had a teacher get killed in a while. But I I, I mean he's gonna get his ass whooped. Somebody will uh, whoop yeah. his ass, if nothing yeah. else. Cause he's gonna keep for pressing sure. his luck. For sure. Um but yeah, Diana, uh crusader for the people. Yeah. that she's um, a good detective. This is the second big thing she busted. <laughs> she <laughs> figured hey, out that. Drew uh, not Drew Zeke's real identity and real birth and, and age and everything. And now she didn't do her detective work again. And she caught a hotel. So good for her out there lacking. So from there, we go to, uh, Monet's plan or the beginning of it, I should say. And, um, on their way in, like, I like the fact that she, she put some respect on Kane, but mm-hmm. at the same time, we don't know if this was real respect or real respect for for her cause. Right. Um, you know, to get him in line. And I was a little a little shade I was a little shook at first when she's like, look, I Drew knows what's about to happen in there, so he's gotta be outside. That made me think like, is she about to she about to get, get frisky with him? Right. And Drew was like, nah, I'm staying outside. Um but uh yeah she lures Kai in and pretty much sets him up to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was. All, I thought for a hot second there it was going to be a wrap, uh, but that's the thing with because he gets to jump on her when right. she tries to pull the knife. But that's the thing with uh with power if they're a recognizable character from something else, they're gonna die. And from they, yeah, and they got like not a major role. They as good as dead. My, My man with Paul the of, long exactly he with the a, exception of episode. uh Kendrick. With the exception oh, of Kendrick, yeah. he, no. who um, arguably probably would have been killed by Kanan, because Kanan's Kanan. At some point. But, yeah, what did you think about that scene, and and why don't you go into her unfurling her master plan? Oh, uh, yeah, so basically, like I said, Monet uses her womanly ways to try to seduce Kai. Uh, he seems to be falling for it until so she tries to pull out the knife and take him out. Um, and then we learn this is all part of an elaborate plot. Set up by Monet to frame Kai for not only the Renzo's murder but also all the things that have been happening with the Russians. Uh, so they they get in the struggle. Kane comes in, kills him. Uh Drew follows shortly after, and they find a cell. I don't know why Drew is even going. No, Drew hears the cell phone buzz in his pocket, so he decides to check his messages for some reason. Uh, like le- literally could be anybody touching him. I don't know why he was going to guy's pocket, but he goes in the pocket. No, no, no. He he just searched it. What you're what you're saying as far as like hearing it buzz, that's that's later. He just checks it because no, she tells I'm t- him. I thought, to get- he, I thought he buzzed first, and that's why he went in his pocket. Mm-mm, and then he also hears the buzz later. Yeah. You know, but he she just tells him to get rid of the body, so they you know he just searches it to make sure. Okay. You know what I'm Maybe saying? Maybe I miss. I gotta look at it again. But anyway, he gets the phone and uh, conveniently. They this is all a part of the plot where it comes out that to in Drew's eyes, he th- now thinks that Kane, wasn't Kai, Kai is responsible for Lorenzo's death. And now Drew feels like an extra asshole because he literally started this war with the Russians based off a false premise. Um but you know, there was a silver line in this. Not only did Monet get Kai out of the picture, she also uses Kai to broker a deal with the Russians and basically make it known that Kai double crosses both. He killed Lorenzo. He also tried to put us at war each other so he can take over all our stuff. Um, And the Russians come to an uneasy, well, they they come to a truce. They basically blame Kai like they they fall right into Monet's trap. They blame Kai. The war is over. Um, And and I guess they agree to work separately. Um, But the beef is is no longer on right now. So Monet looks like once again she got away with murder. Literally. Yeah. Literally put my man's head in a cooler. In a cooler. I was like, damn. That's a lot. That was a mm-hmm. bit much. Uh but yeah. Um Monet just making bloody, bloody moves left and right. Mm-hmm. And at some point she's gonna slip. She has to. At some point, yeah. Nobody um, is perfect in the show. Even the best person ever on the show, Ghost, exactly. finally got his in the end. So we exactly. gotta see what happens with Monet long term ironically, while he was trying to do the right thing. That's right, folks. I slipped it in. Um, so while all this is going on, we get a real quick scene where Effie, Effie is going through it and she's trying to figure out, you know, a way to get her, her tuition, like pay, <clears throat> paid or trying mm-hmm. to get some loans for it. And um, we find out once the, the person goes through their files, she's paid through the semester. Mm-hmm. Um, she knows immediately that it's Kane, which I'm curious how that, how that works. Um, that they don't have any record of someone paying it, and she don't know. Um, but TV logic, yeah. And uh, at this moment, Kane, Kane is looking up. Dirty Mackin has prevailed yet failed. again. By next episode, they're gonna be together. Yeah, for sure. They the might get they a, a Braden scene. Hmm. Um. So from there, Theo's out, and it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. Uh, first of all, I'm like, why they had to put him in the fresh out of jail jumpsuit or tracksuit?
1: Yeah, um,
0: they couldn't take him nowhere to get some nice clothes before he got <laughs> before he went to the <laughs> heliport, right? Um, but I mean, this was a quick scene, but I understood his point totally, yeah. um, because Go like, like it. he literally, and and, I, and, I, and it's not that he's not happy to be out. I know he's happy to be out, but he literally traded his life to make sure that his, you know, for something his brother did in the hopes of his brother being successful or getting away or, or, or being more than he could have been. Um, and, and I, and I understand Davis's point because Davis felt guilty and bad about it. And he would do anything to get his brother out. But if you end up right where you would have been 20 years ago, why did I waste my 20 years in jail? I, right. You could have went in then and I could have had a life, a free and full life outside. Right. And so I'm saying his frustrations totally, um, and I'm I'm also happy like this is like realistic that Davis is just just doesn't get a happy ending with his brother, yeah. Given all the snake stuff that he does, um, so maybe they'll come back eventually. But his brother was like basically, look, I don't need nothing. I mean, that, you know, I'm happy to be out. But if you're doing the shady stuff that's going in in like waste my years in there, then it's not for me, and I don't want to see you no more. Just take me to my treatment service and let me just be me. Um so I think it was a that was actually a quick scene but it was a strong and I think it was a a, yeah. a nice impactful scene very impactful I felt the exact same way um again kudos to this guy's acting because he he looked even more physically beaten um th- than he did in the, in the previous scene which you know this this uh the sickness that he's had is really taking a toll which makes me think even more that like this treatment might not work which right. would be like the ultimate knife to Davis that after everything he's done to get him out, which he's still on leave. right, right, um, but yeah, I I thought it was very impactful, and I'm right there with you. Like I like the fact that, yeah, I, I'm happy to be out, but yeah, like what you, you know, you you're still gambling. You the same gamble you took then is gonna cut you. You took again for mm-hmm. me, which I appreciate, but it was all for not right. Um, so. It's going to be interested to see. I'm wondering if how this is going to impact Davis's character moving forward, because that had to sting. Wanting to get your brother out after all this time, and you get him out, and now he doesn't even want to be around you. Right. Um, which I know that has to that has to sting. So he's either going to work on his slight atonement arc, or it's going to make him even more vicious mm. than he has been. Um, so we get a real a real quick scene where the Rico task force is celebrating their victory because as we've stated now, all the pieces have fallen into place. The, the residue that they found that our undercover cop found or DEA agent found, uh, fits perfectly with the Stansfield drugs. And now they've connected, uh, the Weston firm. So they're ready to move forward. Right. Um, we get Tariq making another plea to, to talk to Lauren. Um, and her being like, look, they're about to move me. So it's about to be showtime on this case. Uh, but then we get to the real, to one of the big meat episodes, parts of the episode, I should say. And we get a really nice scene that I did not see how this playing out the way it did as soon as it did. And we get Gordo really feeling Drew. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked about, we talked about this earlier. He was able to convince his brothers that like, hey, we're, you know, loyalty is is above all and he was able to to make that that connection with drew and we see drew genuinely happy that he found his thing he's when everett hasn't been an issue since that episode that he left right he was written off for a reason and like everett was all but for was completely forgotten drew found what he's been looking for someone Who's in the life and understands the life, and this can pro- this can work, um, but there's some unfinished business. He needs to go figure out. He needs to go meet up with the person that killed his father. So it's time to put that plan in motion. Unfortunately, he activated Monet's other trap, and uh, we get the real. He gets the realization that the burner phone, the on the other end, belonged to Gordo. Mm-hmm. Um. And this was this was tough. This was hard. Brilliantly acted, and I apologize for not knowing the actor's name, but brilliantly acted by Drew, and also from a writing standpoint, Drew immediately taking action. Yeah. Um, also, this is the this is the most soundproof penthouse I've right. ever seen. And they just they kill people shoot. all the time. Get I yeah. mean, it is a very expensive penthouse, so I you know it ain't like yeah. living in some flop house. Privacy um, like a mug. But yeah, I mean, I, I gotta, I, I gotta, uh, echo your sentiments. Like, uh, poor Drew, like this man felt like he was finally happy, finally found a partner. He can really be open and honest about all aspects of his life. And then, and then also, I think they just bit, you know, finished sleeping together and then less than 10 minutes later, you know, Drew didn't put a bullet in his chest. So poor Drew, I feel bad for him. We lose Gordo. I feel like bodies have been dropping like flies the last couple of episodes. And you know, of course, Gordo wasn't no main main character, but he was a main character in this season. Um, and we all felt like we've been losing a lot of people this year. So, RIP to Gordo. Sorry for Drew. Maybe you're just not meant to be happy and have this game. You can't have both, I guess. Um, but yeah, it, it was a a, a a good scene. Very well acting. Very impactful. Very emotional. Um, and I enjoyed that scene. Yeah. No more loose ends. Monet and, has at the moment. Monet is one. Right. Like everything because is at this point. He thinks he knows Gordo killed his father. He thinks Kyle was the real mastermind behind it and not Monet. So, right now, Monet's on, on easy street, but yeah. something's gonna happen. Yeah. Monet ain't gonna be that easy this time. I felt bad because everything you said, and on top of that, he was physically and romantically involved with Gordo after Gordo knowingly killed his father. Right. So, and so right under his nose. Double betrayal. Extra yeah. betrayal. So, like, yes, poor Drew, this, this is rough. So meanwhile, back at the Western firm, uh the short version is that the Western firm is a big ass scam. Yeah, big Ponzi scheme. And, and to me, they lost me with this. I don't know why they introduced this storyline, what it's all about. It's just like they added an extra criminal element to it just for the sake of doing it. Um so I'm not I'm not sure how all this ties into you know, why it's needed for the main story. But so I'm, I'm going to see, hopefully they find a way to make me more interested in it as a topic, but I, I'm, I'm only halfway caring about the Westons in general and their time at the firm. Um, so now they had this crazy element, this wrinkle of a Ponzi scheme and it's all uh, a front. uh I don't, you know, I got to see what they're going to do with that. I think the interesting thing to me about this scene was that despite past transgressions and the whole drug operation Brayden's kind of a he's a stand-up dude like they they threw him in this firm to as you know again he failed up so like they threw him in this as something to keep him busy but like he actually learned the business like he actually paid attention and he actually got invested in this firm and like is has actually been working he's been doing the work. Um which means that, like, had he not gotten kicked out of school, he'd have done the work. He'd have partied because he's partying now. But, like, Brayden's actually ambitious. Um, and this was the first thing outside of his direct family, as far as like his mother and father, where he just felt like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm on board with this. Um, but yeah, as you said, like, it's, it's a weird development. At most, I think this was a way, this is, something Brayden can use as a bargaining chip. Like if they get their backs against the wall, he could, he could blame it all on his, um on his uncle um because he's, his uncle's like, if this, this gets out, like your whole family is screwed. And the truth of the matter is Brayden don't really, he'd be around Tariq and Effie and them more than his actual family. Like, I don't think he's interacted with his sister once this season. um, But I, I think it was just, it does get, Kind of cartoony where it's like yeah we're you know we're bad guys, and yes Kiki's been in, in on in on it the whole time, she knows, and it's just like okay this is this is a bit much, so I think that they're gonna get that place is gonna go up in flames eventually mm-hmm. um but at the moment Braden's stuck um because his and and the the whole thing of like yeah we TV logic we also know you, you've been selling drugs out of here we know and I was just like, damn, like, again, just like with the whole uh, the thing earlier, it's just like, could we get one scene of someone looking suspicious instead of y'all just popping up like evil villains? Like, well, we've known the whole time. Right. It's like, when did you find out? Like, when did you put two and two together? Like, or is it just this whole thing of. You know, we. We've been onto you, it doesn't really matter, uh, which is the weird thing where Kiki's just like, yo, like, what's the, why are you mad? Like, this isn't that bad. We can be, we can be criminal scumbags together. And Brayden, although a criminal, Brayden's kind of not a scumbag. He's borderline an honest criminal uh, or honest crook, for lack of a better term. Um, Anything else before we move on? Uh, no, no, I think we summed it up. Tariq manages to bribe a DEA agent. I don't think of the agent. I think it's Jenner. You think so? Who works in the DA building? Okay, that's more believable. Yeah, because all I see, I just saw DEA badge. Yeah, and all I kept thinking was like, what? No, no, he just got the badge because he works in that building, and it's like a past to get it, But he's not a DA agent. It wouldn't have been that. I mean, I'm it not gonna still say still too easy. The agents <laughs> aren't corrupt, but it wouldn't have been yeah. that easy. Okay, but even still, like, if I'm a if I'm a a janitor, like I I still I don't know. You would have put Life. up some type of, you know, TV logic. You would have put up some type of fight, yeah. but he basically yeah. said, here's some money. Okay, take everything I got. If I lose my job, fuck it. You just mm. gave me $1,000. Go into the bathroom meeting. Uh, I mean, so basically the gist of this meeting is that Tariq uh, convinces Lauren finally to trust him that he wasn't involved in her murder. Uh, he basically gets Effie on tape. That, that, meet, that uh, argument they had earlier comes back to help him because uh, he gets her on tape admitting that he had nothing to do with Lauren. Um, the attack on Lauren it was all Effie. Uh, so she finally trusts him and she agrees for some reason, even though trust him or not, I'm not helping Tariq. Um, when I know that he is the only people who tried to kill me. Uh, but she agrees to kind of stall the, I don't know if she's stalling the agents, the judge or whoever it may be, um, to prevent them from moving forward with the Rico, um, arrest or whatever it may be. Uh, but the biggest thing that came out of this that she lets Tariq in on the secret that she knows. And that's that Sacks is working with the fans. Yeah. Uh, so we got to see how that's going to play out. Now that Tariq knows he's going to tell Davis almost immediately. And then they're going to try to probably use Sacks as a trap to kind of get themselves out of this mess. Uh So I'm interested to see how that happens when Davis finds out. Is he going to be able to be cool and calm and try to slow play it to get their point across? Or is he going to be like, you know, F Sacks because he barely don't like Sacks as it is. Um, do you got any thoughts on that before we get into yeah. the, the real banger? Um, just a real quick one. Yeah, go ahead. Everything you said, um, and I think, and this is why I made that that comment earlier. The reason she she agreed to you know trust him so quick, and it's because he used the promise of a normal life, a return to normal life, mm. as like a selling point. Uh, because that's what she said. And are like, "What's like a a one way ticket to obscurity," and it's. It's it's cra- well, not crazy, but it's just like she she has no idea that like it's a it's kind of your only way out at this point. Um, and Tariq uses that as a bargain, not necessarily a bargainship, but a selling point. Like I said earlier, that like we can we can return to normal life. That's not an option. He knows, but like he also needs her to do what he needs her to do. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, and yeah, the sacks reveal. I'm really curious to see how that plays out um, over these next couple episodes. And uh, we go to our banger where uh, the Tejada family is having a nice dinner. Um, Finally getting back together and they seem to be happy for the first time in a long time. Joking and all together and the family is back. When boom, SWAT bust into their house. And this was this was brilliant. They only arrest Diana, right. and I was like, "That's smart. That's super smart." Like you, because they officially have, to a degree, they kind of have means to grab all of them, but they took essentially the weakest link, mm-hmm. um, and there's, there's a, it was a show of force, and it's a it's an attempt to to separate her from them, right? Because they know what to do in situations like this. This is this is way out of left field for her. And it sucks for Diana because she had just gotten kind of a hold of her life back right. to a degree. And it was the um, only one not doing legal things. I mean, she has done it before, but she had was the one who the least, separated herself. So. Yeah. Right. She was yeah. like fully focused on being like just a college girl and just being young and free. And because of her, Shady's family involvement. So it's kind of with um what Hotep kind of said, came back on her. Like yeah. he was trying to get away from her family. She wouldn't take that advice and now she's going to pay for it. Um, and, and you like, like, I said, they, they took the weakest link. Uh, I want to see how this is going to shift and how they're going to play that out. Are they going to be like heavy into Diana's court proceedings? Is they going to show her in jail like they did with, you know, when Tariq was locked up, when Ghost was locked up? So this may, I mean, at this point, they arrested somebody. So it's going to shift to some type of legal proceeding. We just got to see how it's all going to play out. But yeah, poor Diane, poor, poor Diane. Yep. Wrong end into this, and this is where I guess. It, well, this has to be the focus of the uh, the climax because the Russians aren't an issue anymore. Um, the interesting thing is going to be what happened. Well, no, there's no way they they're gonna have an issue with the Castillos because there's no way they don't think that Gordo just disappeared. Right? They're gonna they're gonna look to Drew first, without a without a doubt. So it's gonna be a question of do they play it cool or? Do they go to war with the Castillo's? Mm-hmm. Um, which would be a, a sad turn of events. Uh, but this would all, this is all Monet's doing. Uh, so it looks like we're playing the stall game on one end, and we're gonna see what happens because <laughs> it's it's we're we're coming up on the finish line of this season. Um, any final thoughts before we get out of here? No um, man. Rating? Just a uh, you know strong episode. If I was giving it a grade, I would give it a strong. B plus, almost an A minus. A couple little hiccup things, but um, definitely the it was shocking, and it's going to build to. It's going to be really interesting to see what's going to happen once they uh, drop the next episode. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it an A A minus. Um, like I said, a lot of things wrapped up decently, but also too much. It's TV logic, so just deal with it. Right. Happened in this episode, and you know, obviously we're old enough to know that yeah, this is TV. But also, it's just like. The things could have been handled a, a bit better, um, but a great way to set up uh, whatever's coming next. Because um, now it's it's the biggest cat and mouse game of uh, criminals versus Rico. Um, because I feel like was there another did they try to uh, Rico in in book one? Yeah, Tommy Ghost, all of them. right. I think this is going to, well, I, I don't remember theirs that well. I know, I remember they were going at them piece by piece for separate reasons, but, um, right. That's the, it was the thing that they got of out of last minute, and that's what led to Angie getting killed. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's pretty much the finals of the Cat and Mouse game. Uh, a lot of opponents have switched places, and, um, things are going to turn up. I don't think there's any, I, I haven't seen a, a notice for a break, but, as far as I know, we'll be right back here next week. Um, of course, as always, you can find him at the PLP podcast on all platforms. You can find me at O F F T H A Clock podcast on all platforms. Um, thank you guys for joining us. As always, uh, I am one half of your host, Triple D, and he is Carlos. Steve, and we'll see you guys next time.